I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been getting out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rains and it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Show for closers. And we have a couple closers in the bullpen today coming out. And we are going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about training. We're going to talk about leads, leads in your CRM, leads that are just laying around your freight brokerage or wherever you're doing sales from. So we're going to talk about a lot of leads, but we're going to talk about a lot of sales and training. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host. And my special co-host for today is Catherine Lisk from Priority One. She's the Director of Sales and Training. Thank you for joining us today, Catherine. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. That's good. That is fantastic. So you're the Director of Sales and Training at Priority One. So that means uh, yes. you sell, you, you, do, you do sales training for all the new freight brokerages that, that hit this industry, right? Pretty much. Yeah, we have, we don't really refer to them as freight brokers as much as we they're just our new sales hires, new sales people, uh, mm-hmm. and and we try to think of them more like consultants, which is kind of a sexy word, I guess, for freight brokers. But we try to train them to be sales professionals more than anything. Fantastic, fantastic. We'll get into that a little bit more, but let's uh, yep. get the band right now and thank our sponsor, Zimbles. You want to crush your numbers, so stop random prospecting. Zimbles can tell you who is spending on shipping and get you those leads instantly. Taking your sales process from a 95% failure rate to a 50% success rate, go to start.zimbles.com slash free trial and sign up for a demo today. Once again, let's go to start.zimbles.com slash free trial and sign up for uh, a demo right now. And Greg Johnson, the COO of Zimbles, will be joining us here in about 20 minutes to talk about qualifying leads, which is something that I I love talking about qualifying leads because I, I think there's a lot of leads out there that every time I say they're dead leads, I get admonished by people in chat and people email me or, or LinkedIn messages. You know, no lead is a dead lead. Well, I think some of them kind of are, uh, but that's just my personal philosophy. Uh, is that how you think about some leads out there are just worth the, the time and effort to, to make that call? That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, to my salespeople, I say, you know, nothing, no is never truly no, because I had so many accounts when I was a brand new salesperson that I would have for sure said was a dead lead. But when they realized I survived three, four, five years in the sales game, they thought, oh, well, maybe she is a little bit worth her salt and ended up coming around. So maybe in the short term, yes, there are definitely leads that that you should just walk away from that aren't a great opportunity. But it depends. Do you think there's any, in maybe not your CRM, but there's probably some CRMs out there, whether it's in freight brokerage or any other industry, that there's there's leads in there or, or people's names in there that don't even move freight? A hundred percent. Absolutely. I think that, you know, when you're so new, you don't know necessarily what you're looking for. And so you put anything into your funnel, hoping that it sticks. And then you'll find out, you know, with a little bit more investigation and a little more qualifying that you know, maybe this actually isn't really a good fit for what we do. So in that regard, yes, absolutely. There are opportunities that aren't a good fit, but if it is a fit, then I try never to consider it dead per se. True. True. If if there's, 
if they're shipping, if they're a qualified lead, then it's not really a dead lead, right? It's just a lead that right. uh, people will call on. And, and eventually after three, four, five years, you, you'll get the sell. And that, that is part of the long game in in transportation, in freight brokers. There's a lot of really good accounts that I've gotten that take, that have taken, uh, I don't know, two, three, four years to, to actually right. close. And, and actually, but you're always in play. You're always in play. You're always working. It's kind of a long game, right? It's a long grind in, in sales. So uh, speaking of that, how did you get started in, in freight and logistics, Catherine? So funny story. Um, I graduated college in 2010 and it was the tail end of the recession. If you found a job, you took a job. And so I was an HR generalist. I was just an administrative assistant with very little Excel skills. So uh, needless to say, I wasn't great. I was not very good at the job. And I'm also not great at being told what to do. So I'm a natural born salesperson. Um, but a recruiter called me and she was great. And she kept following up. And, you know, I think that old school mentality of, you know, a stable job versus doing something that you love and really challenging yourself was kind of that overpowering mentality. And so I ignored her the first couple of times. And then I finally took the call, thank goodness. And I interviewed and I remember asking, what does this company do? And she said, they sell shipping. And it was the most obscure thing I'd ever heard in my life. I never would have considered selling shipping services. And so uh, the rest is history. I was with that company for seven years and then uh, was recruited to come to Priority One. And so glad to be here. I've been with Priority now for about three and a half years, almost four in July. Uh, fantastic. I, I think that's something that we talk about here at Freight Waves quite a bit is that oftentimes transportation chooses you. You don't go out and choose transportation and logistics. It kind of chooses you. I'm the same way, right? Yeah. The, the first time I, I, I get a job as, and I'll call myself a freight brokerage uh, or freight broker, <laughs> right? The first time I was a freight broker, uh, I had no idea. You know, I and, and I, I think a lot of people, 95% uh, of the people probably who come in the industry have no idea what that industry is, what difference between a drive-in and a refrigerated or a flatbed truck or trailer uh, would be, uh, the difference between LTL and full truckload, uh, between intermodal or containers and everything else. It, it's kind of a mystery. And it was one of the hardest hardest things I've, I've ever had to learn is, is this industry. Um, I, I've done finance before, kind of financial research and, and financial uh, you know, media. Uh, didn't really know too much about M&A or private equity or venture capital before, but you had a lot of things to read. And back in the day, you didn't have a lot of things to read. Now you do. You have FreightWaves.com. So you can always uh, get an education <laughs> just by reading and watching shows like this and What the Truck and, and Freightonomics mm -hmm. and Great Quarter Guys and Stacked. You, you can have all the market knowledge you want, but it, it's tough. It, it's tough. You know, you, you go down and you actually operate the freight. And there's a lot of things that, that people don't know, but you're the director of sales and training. So do you guys do more LTL at Priority One or do you guys do, do a mixture of both full truckload and LTL pretty evenly? It's full service. So there's a really healthy mix of LTL, full truckload, mm -hmm. um, expedited services. So the same day, next day services as well, but it is domestically focused. So you know, I'm based in Miami and we see so much international, but you know, for us here, that's a differentiator. But I know across the country, there's a lot of companies out there that that do what we do. And, um, you know, I like to think that we separate ourselves by training our people to to really focus on being consultative and, and building relationships. Because, I mean, let's be honest, we all kind of work out of the same base of carriers. Everybody nowadays has a website. 
so to, to differentiate yourself, you have to hire the right people and you have to recruit good people who, like you said, transportation chooses them or they just, they really, they feel at home in this industry and they love it. Uh, cause it's a tough industry to be in. You really gotta, it's gotta be in your blood to, to find, find a long-term fit here. It really does. So we have, uh, you know, Rob Bussey's on here, have a great show. Keona Carter, hundred percent. Um, she's a CEO of 11th hour logistics. So, and then we are good friend, Rob Bussey, uh, as always with BWS logistics here, uh, to take that. So What's the philosophy of training? I mean, how do you take uh, uh, someone off the street first day and indoctrinate them with propaganda into the freight world? How do you do that? <laughs> uh, with pure unbridled passion from me. Uh, no, mm -hmm. I, but I think that, you know, we recruit a lot of recent college grads, but also people who are in their first couple years outside of you know, school or, or into the professional work world, right? Maybe not even necessarily having a degree, but my philosophy is teach them about how much I love this industry and give them the ins and outs and what an amazing opportunity it can truly be for them. Um, but our philosophy is to train them to be sales professionals who have a natural curiosity that, that just like to dig deeper, ask a ton of questions, I mean, and this could be translatable in any industry, right? But for freight, especially, mm -hmm. the more you know, the better off you will be, the better you can service that account, the better relationships you're going to build. So it's almost like teaching, uh, you know, relationship building skills more than it is routing freight, because you're not really going to learn how to move freight and haggle and make suggestions and do all those things that you need to do until you kind of get thrown in the fire a little bit. Uh, and then you learn. Sure. True. I mean, there's no way to teach you that the haggling part and getting thrown in the fire, the exceptions, always the exceptions after exceptions. You, you can't really you can't really <laughs> teach somebody in a classroom what they're going to face out there. Sometimes mm -hmm. it, it's something that you just have to uh, you have to experience. But, you know, the, the, the tools to um, to adapt and and kind of react or, or respond to, to all those challenges. 100%. And I think one of the most important things for us when we bring them in is telling them that you cannot promise perfection in this industry. Like you said, you have issue after issue, exception after exception, and, and they need to know how to navigate those situations. And I always tell people uh, when I was talking to Chris the other day, the freight coach, I was saying, you know, my pitch was, I'm going to give you bad news faster than the other guy. I said, <laughs> I said you know, I'll, I'll tell you what's going on. And, and we teach them honesty and transparency and how important that is and how to be proactive. Because uh, it's not if, but when something is going to go wrong. And when it does, you need to be prepared and calm and collected uh, to help provide solutions. And, and if you teach them that skill set, they can catch any ball that gets thrown at them. And you learn as you go. Now, that's one of the most important uh, most important lessons I ever learned as, as a freight broker, right, is is deliver bad news fast. That is, I, I called it my get out of jail free card, right? Because if, if you have something <laughs> bad that's happening, if you're quick to, to let your, your customer know or your carrier know or whatever party it is, maybe it's a consignee that is your customer's customer, uh, the, the more, the, the quicker you get onto that and, and start solving that problem, letting everyone know 
the, the more they, the, you know, they, they do appreciate it because things go wrong quite often on the road and there's, there's no way around that. hundred percent. And just thinking on your feet, that's so important mm-hmm. too. like being able to pivot so quickly. And I, I call the freight industry. And when I'm talking to our new hires at sales trainings, because I have my offices in Miami and Atlanta that I'm the director of sales for, but then all the new hires come through our, our corporate training. And when I talk to them, I just talk about how we're kind of like the, the land of misfits in the transportation industry, right? Like you want something entrepreneurial, but you want to work for a company and you don't want it to be too corporate, but you know, you don't want it to be a startup and you kind of land into this world that is transportation. And uh, that's why I call it land of the misfits because we all are so different, but we're all here. <laughs> There's a lot of misfits running around in the world of transportation. That is, that is so true. <laughs> now, now you're telling me that, you know, I, I always cold called, I, you know, do 40, 50, 60, 70 cold calls a day. Right. But you guys don't pick up the phone as a, a first kind of first priority. They're at priority one. Right. Uh, it is really door knocking, like actually knocking on those doors. Yeah. My entire career is knocking on doors. I, you know, I started with that, you know, UPS small parcel. So I was going in these, I started St. Louis is where my career really took off, mm-hmm. but you know, 40 floor high rises and you're dodging the security guard up and down the elevator. <laughs> and then uh, I always felt most at home in industrial parks, but yeah, we'll stop by businesses and COVID man, it really threw everyone for a loop because it's it's all we've ever known it's it's a it's a Mm -hmm. process and an approach that works so we had to really i think adjust you had to take an outside sales force and bring them in essentially overnight and i think that we did an exceptional job adjusting to that but you know from a mentality standpoint it was tough on everybody uh, but, but yeah, knocking on doors. And then recently we've started incorporating a lot more of that, you know, inside approach as a supplement, but definitely mm-hmm. not a replacement for what we do. So, so what's the major difference? I mean, what, what is the major difference between picking up the phone and making those cold calls and knocking on those doors, whether it's a high rise or industrial park, uh, take us back to pre COVID days. I mean, what's, what's the difference? What, what skill set do you need? Uh, that it's differentiated or, you know, differentiated from picking up a phone and having that five, first five or six seconds, seconds of a phone call as opposed to walking in cold. Absolutely. Uh, you get that, you get the benefit of that first impression. So when you walk in and I, I understand I am a, you know, I'm a big personality, tons of energy. I know not everyone is like <laughs> that, uh, but when you walk in, you need to make an impression, be presentable, professional, uh, and, and you have your most important important asset, which is yourself. And you can leverage your personality alongside the questions that you're asking and qualifying an opportunity. And so in my own experience, limited experience since COVID started, essentially, of picking up the phone alongside my salespeople, um, because I'm, I'm a big believer and I'll never ask them to do something that I won't do myself. So, you know, we're making phone calls with them. And people will hang up on you. They can lie to you. But my favorite thing was, you know, you walk into a warehouse and someone says, oh, no, we don't ship. And I just point at the giant rack of pallets <laughs> to my left and go, cool. But what, how does this get here? <laughs> what do we do with all of these things that are on pallets? Mm-hmm. And you can, it's so much easier to be naturally curious. You can cold call with all five senses. You can see it, you smell it, touch it, speak to somebody. You've got your sight. 
uh, is so much more dynamic in the engagement, but you also have to be respectful of their time. So we don't go in like coupon mm -hmm. salesmen, right? Like buy this from me right now. Uh, but we, we ask for their time to come back and sit down and have a conversation. So the, the five senses, that ability to just be there and be present in that engagement, that's a big difference. So, so it is, it's kind of the same strategy uh, as on the phone, because as a freight broker, you're not trying to move freight right then as, as well. You're, you're selling a meeting. And I, I think that's where all good freight broker sales starts, is breaking it down by specific issues and, and problems and steps or stages, right? And that, that first call is all about setting a meeting to where you can get some amount of time blocked off that you get at least 70% of maybe their attention, uh, as opposed to that cold call where you might be getting 10%. Right, absolutely. And the approaches are different, you know, whether you're working with, uh, you know, an operations professional in a warehouse environment, or you're trying to call on an executive that's sitting in a C-suite somewhere, you know, you just have to know who you're reaching out to and why you're reaching out and, and what that end goal really is. But yeah, we're just asking for their time, no matter who they are. And like you said, hoping that you get 70% of their focus when you do have them uh, and building that relationship is everything because you could, I want someone to work with priority one because they like Catherine or they like Nick or whoever, insert any name from, from my team. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I know they could go to any number of competitors, but because that trust is there and it's so important to them, especially in the movement of their, their product and their freight. Uh, that's the most important thing. And building trust in person is a lot easier than building it over the phone, just in my own experience. I think you can get there on the phone, certainly. I know so many people, mm -hmm. I've got a friend that worked at Command, now Echo, and you know he's built a great career there and it's all completely telesales. So it can be done both ways. It, it definitely can, but the, the trust factor, right? and then that's very important. I mean, you get to see people face-to-face. -face. Sometimes you, you might move $100,000 worth of, of mm -hmm. freight or a million dollars plus before you ever meet one of your customers face-to-face, -face, especially here in um, in the COVID world. But then again, you're kind of constricted a little bit to your region, aren't you? Uh, a little bit. But I no, guess if you're yes. set up for territory yeah. sales, it, it, it all works out in the end, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how we were, where it was very territory centric. And I think that each of our offices, because we have a vast agent network and a direct sales network. So the direct mm -hmm. sales with the brick and mortar offices or local agents will work their immediate territories in person. But then of course they have to use the phones to reach beyond that, to, to close business anywhere across the country. Yeah. So, so Catherine, what's your, what's the most rewarding part of, of doing training sales training? I love that I get to interact with all the hires from all across the country. So, you know, the culture that is in Miami, my Miami, my Miami, that's a mouthful, Miami office it is, is so yeah. much different than my Atlanta office. Uh, the LA team, the Dallas team, you know, they're all so different and so vibrant in different ways. And so I love bringing them in and meeting all of them and getting exposure to all of the young talent that comes through our group and then watching it on the back end when you see them performing at a really high level. Um, and for me, it holds a special place in my heart where I'm seeing so many more young women coming through the trainings. That's mm -hmm. extremely important to me. Uh, that's really rewarding. One, watching the amount of young women that are coming through the logistics industry now, it was so much, so much less when I first started, you know, 11 years ago. And the second piece is watching what they, what they turn into when they leave our training and how they bloom and 
you know, really cool things like um, my, my regional sales manager in Atlanta who started as a sales rep with us, he just put an offer down on a house. And for me, I know who he was when he was 24 years old and started with us and where he's at now. And it's just so neat to watch both a professional and a personal life progression. It is just very, very cool. It is. It, it is very cool. It's one of the, the, the great things about teaching, about training, and about, about, about helping people out, right? It's, it's, a lot of it is altruistic. And the My Miami, it reminds me of the, the old country song. I think it was George Strait, right? Uh, my Amy in Miami. Or Miami. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't There's say so it either. There's so many Miami just, songs now. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I know. I know. How is it in Miami? Before before we go to Greg, how is it? There's, uh, you know, it must be interesting living there right now. There's, is there like a state of emergency? Is, is that, I, I don't know the full story <laughs> behind it. Yeah, it's spring break. So uh, Florida has that been That is a national emergency. State. Yeah, it, well, it's, uh, now it is. They, you know, I think because yeah, yeah. we are so open and the, the policies on on COVID have been more relaxed than a lot of other places across the country. We welcomed a lot of people with open arms, and now I think they're regretting welcoming so many people with open arms because there are just so many people just in the streets. And uh, unfortunately, you know, with the good, there is the bad. And so they've put a 8 p.m. curfew back in place for the next couple of weeks to try and control the, the chaos a bit. But Otherwise, to anyone listening, Miami's beautiful. It's calm. The sun is shining. If you don't yeah. go to South Beach, it's a lovely place to live if you avoid that particular area of the city right now. I, I think we're all, you know, I, I, I think in the last couple, three weeks, I, I've just, I've been thinking, oh, we're just weeks away. We're just weeks away from everything being okay. I mean, I, I can count it down. Now, whether we're weeks or months or whatever, it feels like mm -hmm. weeks. And it seems like, you know, certainly for spring breakers in Miami and, and people getting out and about, it really, I mean, people are ready to, to let loose. And, and we're, we're so close maybe to the finish line that no one, everyone, everyone just wants to go 100 miles an hour. Uh, are you seeing more and more people uh, going back to the office and, 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 you know, in industrial parks, I, I guess they never really probably went home in, in large scale, but maybe the, the the office places that you guys door knock on, um, are you seeing more and more people coming back in the office outside of Miami? Absolutely. Or Florida? In, yeah. And I think we had a call about it recently, just sort of gauging what it looked like nationwide. And, you know, we're very sensitive to, you know, people's personal preference and, and what they would like to do and what they feel comfortable with. But if we have the ability to go see our clients in person, we absolutely do make the effort to do it, but fully masked. And I think people are practicing safe measures, but we're trying to bridge mm -hmm. that gap. I think we all are. We're trying to figure out how do you get back to normal business practices, but also everyone be safe and be aware of each other's comfort levels. It's a very weird call it what it is, take the PC out of it. It's weird. And it's a fine line and it's yeah. hard, but we're trying to figure it out as we go and do the best that we can. Yeah, no, I, I think everyone is and we'll, we'll see. Um, but let, let's bring in Greg Johnson, COO of Zimbles right now. Greg, how are you doing today? Right. You're down I'm in doing South well. Florida, you? aren't you? Good. What's that? You're down in South Florida too, right? I am. I'm, I'm north of the craziness, though, so a little, a little bit north of there, just just far <laughs> enough north to still be south. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 Greg, uh, you're the COO of Zimbles. Uh, can you give our audience a, a little bit of detail about what you guys do and and what we'll be talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, at our core, we're a uh, business that has information about businesses. 
And what we've done is we've uh, we've looked very, very carefully at a lot of different things that we can do with it. But one of the biggest is that of helping sales. Uh, we've been in the transportation shipping industry for many years, and, and we finally just got to the point where we said, wow, everybody's talking about how hard it is to prospect. And we've got really unique data and all kinds of cool tools. So why don't we apply that technology to the problem and help people with better prospecting? And ultimately, it's about driving improved sales efficiency. And, and there's really two focuses. There's how do you get new leads, but then how can you cleanse those that you already have in your database that just sit there? At least they sat there in mind for a long time where just sit there as a pile. If you just keep handing out the same leads to new people that are coming in and they, they end up with the same you know, challenges with the, uh, with the leads not being as good as they would like them to be. I, I, I felt that pain myself. I, I really have. It's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, KC3, Kenneth Carter, Mr. Hill, and I owe you a podcast. I'm going to publish it this week. And Matthew Under, uh, great insights here. Thank you. So, yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've gone into sales jobs many times in my life, and you have leads that have been sitting there for five or six years. Uh, a lot of times no one will touch them because maybe they actually do know you know, it was really bad customers sometimes. Sometimes uh, just just no one's won those. And so there's probably a reason why sometimes. And and you, you do find a lot of unqualified leads sitting in a CRM or databases that all the new people come in, they call, and, uh, and, and the odds are really low. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what industry it is. I mean, I've been in the technology mm -hmm. industry with sales teams for years and same problem plagued us there. And, and all you had to do is go into your CRM and you could see sort of the, the list of people that had previously touched the customer and yet they were the only leads that you had, right? And, and ultimately what, it, what it's doing is it's really hindering sales productivity. And for years, we, I looked at it and we used to say, I can, I can remember all the meetings where we'd sit down as sales leaders and we'd look at, at the team and we'd say, okay, who's a good prospector? And now having been in the world of data, as long as I have, I look at it and I say, it's not really whether they're good or bad. It's do you have the right data or not? The data has been the problem all along. Um, and so we all for years suffered from what you described, which is you know, just that, that pot full of wasted time, also known as, as leads that aren't qualified to be good, you know, good, solid and qualified prospects ultimately. I, I yeah, I, I think we've all we've all talked to, to people like that. One of my favorites, one of my bosses came up. He's like, "This is a great lead, man. You got it. You got to close them down." And I, I I I called them, and they were actually out of business, right? And he he kept yeah. pestering me for weeks about it. I'm like, dude, they're out of business. Yeah. You know, I don't know where you got this from. Um, they might have been good at one point, but they're out of business. Yeah. And so we, you know, we ultimately, we looked at it and said, we, we created the Zumble solution, which we've talked about here, which I, I refer to as sort of the, the Netflix or Spotify of prospecting. You type in one name and you get a whole bunch that look like that one that you plugged in, right? And it, everybody says, I, I heard all the time, I even team, my teams would say, it, I need better contacts. You don't need better contacts. You need better companies, highly, more highly qualified companies to go after. And then you actually need fewer contacts, right? So this, this notion of the verified supply chain spend that we have, $1.7 trillion worth of it, when you apply all kinds of crazy powerful technology to it, you can do amazing things. So what we do in a lot of cases is we'll, we'll actually create a model 
right? And models are things that data scientists and analytics people usually create, but we've got a tool we've, we've built that automates the process of creating a model. So if, if you give me a list, let's say it's um, 50 of your best TL customers, right? I'm going to take that, I'm going to plug it into my system. I'm going to create a model. And what the model mm -hmm. does is as I plug in leads that are in your database, I'll create a score. So models create scores, scores predict things. And the prediction is in the probability. So a zero to hundred score basically says, here's the probability that that prospect is going to look like or looks like and will be qualified to become a good customer like that list that you gave me. So just basically taking a sample population and then being able to create something that will determine whether any of the other leads will look like it. You can run through, heck, we got some people that run through a million leads and score them all. And the distribution is, I mean, you can, you can tell when the score is good. We can tell the strength of the score just using all kinds of tools we have, but you can see it just in the distribution when you score. I mean, it's not even the 80-20 rule, it's the 90-10 rule. So there's at least 80% of those leads that are sitting there in people's databases that they need just to kick, you know, totally kick out. We just went through a, um, um, a redo of our license with our marketing automation tool. We use HubSpot. And mm -hmm. by, by taking out the bad leads, I took out all the contacts associated with those leads, and my cost of HubSpot went down significantly because you pay by the, by the marketable lead. And again, get rid of the bad companies and you're gonna get rid of the bad names as well. And it's gonna save you money there, let alone just the, the amount of savings on sales reps times. I mean, yeah, I talk to people in, <clears throat> in the industry and in freight transportation and, and routinely I hear that they're getting a lead yield of less than 5%. That means for every 100 leads your team goes after, five or less, become qualified prospects, right? Um, but with, with this particular tool, you know, we're seeing it somewhere north of 25 to 35%. So that's a 900% mm -hmm. improvement. Right? Zembles will take you even further, but Zembles will get you the new leads going forward. Solve the problem and get rid of the, the job decontamination that's wasting you know, the team's time there and then start just pouring in the good leads on top of it. So it's sort of a two-step process. I have a question. So when you are running those models and scoring opportunities for salespeople, and I'm coming from, you know, two companies really, in my experience, that had a real old school approach to the way that we uh, go after business, right? You know, knocking on doors and, and everything's been face to face. We are coming into the 21st century and we do have some tools in place uh, to help us expand our horizons, be able to sell coast to coast. So how accurate is the scoring from, you know, Sure, you can identify supply chain spend and you can give people a good contact, but is there any way to gauge their level of interest and openness in the product as far as like, are they looking into it? Are they researching it? Is it a, a point of emphasis for them and their plans for 2021? Is there any gathering of that data at all? Yeah. So the the interest, I'm, I'm big. There's a lot of people that talk about, um, and, and I just, we use Zoom info, right? and Zoom came to us and said, hey, we want to move you to the new platform and we've got this intent data. And I said, intent data is cute, but if you think about it, it's like a new year's resolution, right? New year's resolution didn't mean you did it. So you can say, are they open to it? Would they, I look at it and say, are they spending on it today? Yes or no. And if I can gather that information, then great. The challenge is nobody has all of the spend data on transportation spend. It's hard to, hard to get it all hundred percent. Cause there's some big guys out there. 
we'll never give it to you, right? But I don't need that, right? So if I look at, like take TL, I can look at, at spend on lumber, raw materials or on pipe or steel. I know that it's not only TL, I know it's flatbed TL. And so there's a lot of interpretation that we can do with that. What's the probability? The probability is, is super high. We see with Zembles, you know, somewhere north of 50%. Some people say it's it's 80%. I mean, it's, it's based on the fact that we know that their business needs it based on the, the overall profile and footprint that we can see for the business. But, you know, it's, it's you interesting. You mentioned Zoom Info. Hmm? Is that a partner for you guys? Is that a competitor? We buy, we buy, we use their tool. I love their tool because it gives good contact. As I was gonna say, we, we use Zoom Info as well. I wasn't yeah. sure. So, yeah. 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 I love it. I've got it. I can see it in the upper right hand corner, my Zoom Chrome extension right there. Yeah. I don't use it to get company <laughs> names, right? Because they're, they're, no offense to them, they're really good at finding the people, but I'm really good at finding the businesses. Right. I don't I've built databases with contact information before, but it's not it's not as valuable as, as something that can get you to the right company, right? Because again, I can give you 25 people in a company that you can go prospect to and nurture and what on average seven to 12 touches to get that person to respond. Seven to 12, mm -hmm. do the math. I don't know how much time it is or how much money, but it's a lot when you especially do that across 25 contacts, even five contacts across 100 different companies, right? So the other thing that happens, <clears throat> just some stats, before COVID, Two to 3,000 businesses come and go out of business in the United States every day. Two to 3,000, small business administration facts, right? That's a huge mm -hmm. number. And, and what's happening is these businesses don't look like they used to, right? When you have one, one uh, uh, transportation company that came back to me after using Zumbles for a little while and said, hey, our best prospect is something we would never have found they're the most profitable new customer we've brought in. We found it through Zumbles, and they're on the fifth floor of a banking building in downtown Phoenix. Right, so they're they're people that mm -hmm. you just can't see. And, and I don't know exactly how you might have, you know, the tools that you used before, but I'll tell you what I used to do for 20, 20 plus years, twenty five years. I'd go out, my teams would go out, we'd get a zip code, and we'd take a NAICS code or three or four different NAICS codes, and then we'd sort it. We'd say, okay, about this much revenue in annual sales or below or above or between or whatever it might be. And the challenge is there are 1,057 NAICS codes and there's no data governance. I don't know if I could put anything in there. I could be, I could be a, um, a uh, building supply company and put in that I'm a nail salon and nobody's gonna check it. Right? And ultimately I might yeah. do that. <clears throat> I might do that for, you know, to lower my cost of insurance, honestly is what happens. And so, that's where those things get squirrely. So there are a ton of great prospects that are out there that nobody's getting to because they're in these these NAICS codes that nobody's ever going to find. I, we find you, you, you're, yeah, you're, you're basically wasting a lot of time on on, on the wrong leads. And I, I've done that. You know, I pulled my own leads. I've, I've used a number of different providers, and you can get good contact information on that. Maybe good estimated revenues. Uh, you know, the, the night codes, right? And also maybe employee counts or something, but it doesn't really tell you how they operate and what, how they're moving freight because I, I only did truckloads. I, I never understood LTL. I, I still, you know, all the czar lights and, <laughs> and discounts and, you know, categories. I, it was just, just not my thing, right? I did full truckload. I did Mexico. I, I did, I was looking for auto manufacturers or people who did cross-border freight. That's all I really cared about. And 
it's it's hard to do because it, a name doesn't tell you anything. Corporate name doesn't tell you anything. Codes don't tell you anything. Absolutely. You don't know if they're, they're doing LTL or, or or what. It really gives you very little information. So you're you're making a lot of dead calls. You're making a lot of dead calls uh, of people that really aren't in your wheelhouse that aren't going to be profitable customers for you. And if you look at the supply chain of those businesses, you would see mm-hmm. trends, right? And that's the hard part yep. because we, 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 we just naturally get zeroed in on one thing, right? It's I'm selling storage. Boom. I'm going to want their, I want to know their storage spend. I'm selling LTL. I want to know their LTL spend, their small package spend, whatever it might be. When in fact the signals are in the other pieces of the business, because it ultimately says, here's the fingerprint or the DNA for that company. And when you see this, 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 and this, then it's going to have that sort of thing. And it's, it gets easy. But the challenge is, you know, number one, you got to have a lot of data. And number two, you got to have crazy powerful tools. And, you know, that's our business. That's all we do all day long. We were, we were data geeks before it was cool to be called a data geek. Now it's less, less uncool, but still, we think it's cool, but nobody else really does. Um, but, you know, when you have all those tools, you apply it. And it's like, hey, let's go, let's go get after it and bring a big old ROI to everybody and drive some, some profitability and revenue generation and sales productivity and, frankly, morale. Right. I mean, sales mm-hmm. reps hate, I used to hate mm-hmm. prospecting. Why? You're told you got to learn how to, to take a no. I get it. But unless you're an absolute stone cold killer, you, you get tired of taking no's after a little while. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like fishing. I said, you've heard mm-hmm. me say this before, Kevin. I, I love <laughs> fishing. I really don't love fishing. I love catching. You put me in a pond with hungry mm-hmm. fish, I'm a happy guy. You put me in a pond with no fish, I'm going home. It stinks. Right, that's boring. And my fiance would say the same for sure. See, right? I like it. It's a good man. I've never understood fishing. I have no patience for that. Like I can, you can, you could not pay me enough money. I love the boat, but you couldn't pay me enough money in the world to sit out in the ocean and stare at vast nothingness to maybe have nothing happen. I would absolutely agree, and I would hate just as much to be sitting on the phone all day long making 120 sales calls, only to be told no 118 times. Like, screw that! That isn't my idea of fun at all, right? It's amazing what technology. It's amazing what technology has done in the logistics industry in the last even just 10 years. I mean, I remember I didn't have a cell phone until very late in high school, which you know, 32. I'm not that old, but I'm not you know Gen Z. So uh, it's it's just funny, like not everyone had a website back then, which is so crazy to even think about. You know, some people were still emailing and calling in truckloads and pickups over the phone. There was no automated TMS. And now everyone has a TMS virtually. Everyone has a TMS. And now looking at the way that we can optimize qualifying leads and, and creating more productivity in our salespeople. I mean, the only way back then, I think there was like Thomas.net and Hoover's. I think those are the only two things I remember then oh, that was even, or Manta. Manta was one. I would go Manta. on Google. I'd be out sweating out all day. Yeah. yeah it is and you just, know what? The, the amazing the thing, thing is, the amazing thing is, so if you work in the consumer side on data, you've watched data go crazy, right? The amount of, of, um, of alternative data that's out there on consumers is off the charts. But when it comes to businesses, it's actually so lagging in every way. Hoover's and places like them. I mean, you know, great companies have been around forever, but you know, I've, I've worked from my share of big companies and there's one thing that comes with being a big company, legacy products that need to be maintained. Mm-hmm. You got to do a refresh of this, a refresh of that. What does that mean? Less time to innovate and build new stuff. 
So when you get a chance to build a, a new company, you say, okay, I'm going to learn from all of the things I've done in the past. And I'm going to make this thing absolutely rip and fast and bring cool things. And more importantly than ever, just listen to what people want, right? What's your problem? Well, I'm having trouble prospecting. Really? Let's dig into that. Pretty soon, we'll be like, try, try this. Tell me if this works. Oh, you need me to tweak it here, tweak it there. Everything we've built with Zumbles has been as a result of feedback we received from, from folks in your industry. It's been fantastic. That's a load of fun when you see it work. And to your point, right? You talked about the, the reward of watching people succeed with your, your training. Mm -hmm. Same thing. People, all of a sudden, you see these smaller companies and, and or big companies who are bringing massive amounts of productivity to their sales teams and morale improvement and all kinds of good things. And you're like, that's cool. That's fun. That's rewarding. So, I, uh, hey, Greg, let, let's, let's walk through it because there's probably a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, you start talking math and they get confused a little bit. Um, I'm somewhat like that. Let, let's go over yield again. <laughs> let's kind of walk through yield and, and break it down exactly what you mean by that uh, to, to make it really clear for everybody. Yeah, so lead yield is something I've kind of coined as a phrase. And it's ultimately for every, pick a number, for every 20 leads that your team pursues, what percentage of those become qualified prospects? Right? Not become opportunities or closes. If I could solve that problem, I would have retired already. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the next one I try to solve. <laughs> but, that's, when, that's when you got to start training more, right? That's I need your help. Then we can team up and we can yeah. make a great team. I'll, I'll get you to the prospects. You figure out how to get them to, to do the right proper fishing. Perfect. Things, right? right? Teamwork. <laughs> um, so that lead yield, and it's, it's hard because you know, it's hard to track only because we're salespeople. So we hate putting things in Salesforce or in our CRM or whatever it is. I mean, it's just, we just don't do it naturally. But if you track that. Nature of the business. Know, so, yeah. For every 20 that you get, typically it's between three, maybe five. But I don't see much more than that. So it's you know, somewhere, you know, five, 7% max. Um, with Zembles as a tool to go get new prospects, we're driving that up to somewhere north of 50%. Right? So instead of having to bring 100 leads per week, per month, whatever it might be, you want to get, let's say, in 100, you're going to get, what, 5, 50, 5%. Mm -hmm. Now you only have to bring 10 to get that 5. Or if you bring 20, you get twice as many. You get 10. So you just you spend less time just dialing the phone and nurturing, and you spend more time executing well-thought-out, methodical sales campaigns. One of the biggest things, feedback we hear, and I'll get back to the, to the yield thing, is change in management style. You're not changing, you're not mm -hmm. managing activity as much as you're uh, managing quality of activity and quality of campaigns. The hiring profile changes because you're not looking for somebody who's willing to make 120 calls a day. You're looking for somebody who can manage a more strategic and well-thought-out campaign. Right, so, and then the quantity of hiring changes because you just improved your sales productivity by over 25% because you took out a whole bunch of wasted time, right? Non-revenue non generating sales activities, as I call them. So it, it ultimately drives up that, that, that lead yield. If you can drive the yield up, you drive mm -hmm. down the number of total leads that you need to pursue, which gives you more time to pursue them and or just get more quality time. In the case of cleaning out your, your dead existing leads, it's how, you, how do you decontaminate it so that you're not just adding more dead wood on top of 
you know, the, the, the folks yeah, who are bringing in more existing reps. So it's kill, kill that, that, kill that, that source of productivity gain, uh, drain anywhere you possibly can. So I have a question for both of you. That's cool. And I'll, I'll start with Catherine. Is, is how do you define warm lead and and, and cold lead? Because I, I, to to me, it's it's a pretty clear definition. Uh, but uh, a lot of people convolute it with with other things like qualified and non qualified, right? Um, how would you de define both of those, right? Cold and warm lead, and qualified and and non qualified, or are they the same thing? That's a very good question. I've never heard it posed that way. Um... I would say a, a cold lead would be a qualified, if we're, if we're establishing that we know it's a lead, we know it's a qualified prospect. If it's mm -hmm. cold, uh, you've had no contact with them and, and you've made no progress, no meaningful communication, no meaningful content. And I think that anybody could pick up the phone and call, right? But when I say meaningful contact, you've had a productive conversation where there is an action resulting as a result of that interaction. So. Mm -hmm. It's cold if there's been nothing on it for for you know at least at least a couple of weeks. It warms up when you've had some sort of meaningful interaction within the last 30 days. There's an action again, an action following an interaction. Uh, that to me is working in the realm of like a, a qualified prospect. And then cold versus warm, meaning cold is you've never walked in there before. You have and again, guys, I'm mm -hmm. speaking from like you're in the field, you're knocking on doors, so that's more yeah. my context. But or even when my team is inside sales days and they're calling on the phone, they have no idea who they're calling. They, they have a name from Zoom Info and maybe a company and they know it's a manufacturer. So we try to dial it down. Greg, it sounds like you've got some familiarity with it, right? We try to dial it down as much as we can to target prospects that likely fit, you know, a model that we, with that mm -hmm. profile, if you will, that we would go after. Those are cold. They have no idea what's on the other side of the rainbow. The ones that are warm is, well, we know they're in this industry. They're kind of like this guy. They're a competitor. You know, maybe that's a warmer potential, but yeah, I don't, that's how I would, you know, classify it. I hope that makes sense. If I'm looking at it two different ways. It does make sense. What about you, Greg? Yeah, so I actually, I think I, I agree with, with uh, almost everything Catherine said, and I don't disagree with anything. I'll just add to it. Um, and that's that it comes down first to what is a lead? Is a lead a company mm -hmm. or is a lead a person, right? And, it, and if you're in a world of the game of numbers, right, where you've got to drive a ton of activity, then it tends to be a person. And a cold lead could become a person who says no. Why? Because they're busy and you're, maybe, maybe they were busy eating their sandwich at lunchtime and they didn't want to talk to you, <laughs> but you got to know. Right? So, so I look at I look at it at a, at a company level and say. Is it, a, is it a warm or cold company, right? And the, the more you can get kind of focused on, on whether there's a high probability that it's going to be a qualified company by understanding, you know, a score or a spend or whatever it might be, then that's, that's, you know, that's, that's super helpful because the, when you think about it, there's, if you know that they're spending on, I'll pick on TL, just because you mentioned it, Kevin, if you know they're yeah. spending on TL, that should never be a cold lead it should always be a warm lead and it's just a matter of how mm -hmm. well you've penetrated or not. And at some point, even if 25 people throw you out and you get a restraining order, something's going to change and somebody will change over there <laughs> yeah. and they're mm -hmm. still going to need your shipping and you're going to go back in and you're going to all of a sudden get your restraining order lifted and you're going to get in and get it off. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, I like that. I think, That's uh, great. That's good. Yeah.
the restraining order? That, I, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, 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 yeah, that's so fun. I, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I, there, there's a qualified lead, right? That, that even if it goes nowhere, it's still the qualified lead. It still should be in your database. It should still be called because at some point you have to close them or just keep calling them. Um, cry, die, or buy, right? That's another way to put it, right? Yeah. Until they cry or they die or they buy, <laughs> you just keep on going after them, right? I may cry, die, or buy. Seven. That's good. I like Don't go right after my like... restraining order. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and there's good. there's like that that warm lead where the, the customer has has engaged in somehow, right? Engaged in somehow, they're moving through the the sales prospect or the the sales uh, process, and uh, but but yeah, they're, they're, you can have a qualified cold lead, I think, or it's hard to have an unqualified warm lead, right? If you do an unqualified warm lead, you know you're kind of wasting your time. Right. Because they're unqualified for a reason, right? I think we've also traditionally looked at companies as leads versus mm -hmm. people as leads. You know, we try to identify the people as being a decision maker or an influencer. You know, who is this person inside the organization? But you're exactly right. You know, depending on that model works oftentimes for your small to medium sized business structure. But mm -hmm. when you start getting into the larger organizations where there's multi-level decision making and you have maybe a 360 decision-making process where they have full teams that engage in that decision. You know, you've got to look at every possible angle that you can penetrate that 360 because maybe like you said, maybe you caught, you know, somebody eating a sandwich at lunch and they're busy, but if you call their counterpart that works in a different department, they're all ears. And then all of a sudden you're having a conversation. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if nothing else, yeah. by calling more people you talk to, the more you understand the levers of the business and can put together a solid ROI yeah. to present to the buyer because I, what I find is most customers are good at selling what they sell to others, but they aren't good at selling what they need internally in terms of putting their own ROI together. So if you can bring them an ROI, you're going to be ahead of your competition nine times out of 10 is what I find is most, most sales organizations aren't great at bringing ROIs to, to customers in a, in a well thought out manner. But when you do customers love it, you just did all the work for them. So. Yeah. Numbers are always good. They're they're always good. The the RO done. I, I you know, and I, I complain sometimes that everyone sells a little bit too much on an ROI and not like gut instincts or, or gut you know uh, emotions uh, of buyers. But you have to have them both. You have yeah. to have them both. You have to to attract the the ROI and then and then their benefits for that ROI. You really have to explain yeah. those out into kind of an emotional appeal to you're going to look really good you're going to look yeah. really good if you if yeah. you hand this spreadsheet yeah. around and i go back to what yeah. Catherine said before too i mean the, the the value of relationship is is still alive and well people buy from those that they like and yeah. trust right and if you can be in, per, in person and be in front of them in a safe way as you were describing Catherine, and then then that's 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 where it all begins in, in so many ways yeah. but yeah, but I, you know, as always, Kevin, you hear me say, just give us a call, give us a try, because I can stand here and talk about it all day long, but I'm more than willing to put my uh, money where my mouth is and prove it, because we've seen it over and over again. So I'd love to love to talk to people about it. It's 
it's fun to talk about, fun to sell, and fun to see the success for everybody. So. For what I, it's I worth, Ryan, you should know that our senior vice president said that he's very familiar with Zembles because of a, a very persistent sales force. So, <laughs> yeah, I told, I told no one he said he knew it was him. good. It was a good, it was a compliment. Don't tell compliment. him the only solution is a, is a restraining order, please. That might seem going to be a run on restraining orders in all these <laughs> big cities with big all the shepherds. I think he would appreciate that, actually. It would probably, it would resonate with him, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what it is. I love it. Cool. Greg, as always, it's a pleasure having you on. And you Wait. said you put your money where your mouth is. I think you guys have a free demo out there. Can you tell our audience how to go about taking advantage? Yeah, you can of go, to, go to Zimbles.com and uh, you can get a, a free trial of the Zimbles tool. And then uh, through the same place, you can actually go in and if you request a demo, you could you could try this other solution, which is the, I call it lead prioritization. It's the the scoring of existing leads. That's less specifically for a rep, but it tends to be more for sales leadership and or marketing and sales operations. Um, but same thing, we can uh, we can set it up and give you a test drive and, and hand you over a bunch of you know, scored leads that you can go in and dial on and see what your lead yield turns out to be. Well, I, I know that 100% of businesses out there and, and 100, at least 100%, I, I guess there's no more than 100% uh, of freight brokerages out there need, need that they need to clean out their CRM. Yeah. I, there's a lot of a lot of stuff in there that you, you give to a 22 year old right out of college, and uh, it makes it it makes it for a harder job than it already is because it's not an easy job to be in, yeah. but you just make it you just make it harder. Yeah, I equate it to a messy bedroom. Yes. <laughs> I said to like, especially with women, I don't know if it's for guys, but you know, you would rather go buy something new than just look what you have in your closet because it's disorganized. It gives you a headache when you walk in. That's a metaphor I use with my team all the time. You know, if there were a couple socks on the floor, you could probably find what you're looking for. But when it's just a disaster like that, it's, you lose a lot of great opportunities. They disappear, if you will, because just the sheer anxiety of sifting through the nothingness to find the good stuff is worse than going out and looking for something new all over again. So, you know, mm -hmm. I totally get it. It's interesting. The moral of that story, I think I have four daughters, so I'm going to have to talk to my daughters about their clean rooms now in a whole different <laughs> way. So they may not like you after that, Catherine, but it's going to be, I'm going to give it a Bless shot. Bless your heart. You got four of them, huh? Man. <laughs> well, thank you again, Greg. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, go to .com to, uh to take advantage of the, the, the free trial that Zimbles and, and Greg is, is offering. Yeah, fantastic. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Thank Kevin. you. Nice to meet you, Catherine. You bet. You too. Take care, guys. So now we, we talked about leads. Anything that, that you're going to impart and, and take to, you know, to your team to, to talk about leads? I like I like the leads as people concept. I think uh, it's a different way of looking at it than we have in the past. It's a good takeaway. I admittedly am a late adopter to some of the technological advancements of prospecting because I, you know, I'm old school with it. It's how I've always been, but there really are some advantages to, I think, like I said, using those technologies as a supplement to what mm -hmm. we already do. So yeah, I like the leads as people thing though. And, you know, maybe not the restraining order quite, but, but kind of. So yeah, I know. Right. You know, it's, it's a, it's what a did strategy. You say? What Let's it put it that way. Cry, cry die, die or, or buy. buy. <laughs> you know, they're like either going to cry, like they're going to die or they're going to buy, but you just, don't leave them alone until that. Uh, we also have Scott Wanatabi here on, on LinkedIn, Kelly Mansfield. 
uh, talking about leads and and be the squeaky wheel. So that's another way to put it as well. You want to be the you want to be that squeaky wheel. Will and if you want to learn more about three PLs, Wednesday is your day. So all day we have our next virtual summit. It's the three PL summit where we're going to talk about the market conditions. We're going to talk a little bit about sales. Put that copy down. We'll be here with uh, Stratus Grid and talking a little bit more about IT and technology and how that fuels sales growth as well. Our keynote for the day is Ann Ranke. She's the uh, she's been uh, the CEO and president of the TIA for about six months, so she's settling into the job in, into the COVID world. So I had a, a great discussion with with Ann. Uh, Andrew Silver is talking to uh, uh, Lee Sauls, who uh, sells differentiation, the the, the book. So they, they have an exciting uh, exciting uh, discussion as well. Uh, Brian Trotchell from Ambition, Chad Eichelenberger from Reliance is talking with Armstrong Transport about risks and liability and carrier vetting and insurance, all those fun things, right, Catherine? So much fun. So <laughs> uh, they're very important. They are very important mm -hmm. because as we all both know, what goes on every day in transportation logistics, and that's bad things, exceptions. There, there's all kinds of, of bad things that happen. Danny Lowe from ArcFest, Dave Broering, and Mark Ford. So Dave Broering from NFI, Mark Ford from Blueberry. So we're going to talk about carrier capacity strategies for 2021. It's been a hot market. It's not slowing down anytime soon. I'm sure you you know that as, as well as anyone, Catherine. It's hard to get trucks in, in right now. So how yeah. do you source your carriers? So those are, are some of the, the, the main topics. You can go to live.freightwaves.com to register for that event. Uh, it starts 9 a.m. Um, 9 a.m. Wednesday, March 24th with Dooner and the Dude. We'll open that up and then we'll have our keynote and then an exciting day. Uh, until 5.30 p.m. We, we have it stacked with all kinds of great technology, demos, uh, market conditions, sales, put that coffee down, we'll be there, great quarter guys. We'll have uh, Bruce Chan from, from Stiefel talking about equity. He's an equity analyst, uh, covers trucking and logistics. And I need to find my Slack here because I don't know how much time we have left, uh, but there, <laughs> there it is. Uh, so... So we're, what is uh, another takeaway there, Catherine, real quick? I think we have a little, well, we have about a minute left. So really quickly. Uh, I think takeaways in general are, you know, anybody that's interested in a logistics position or getting into the industry, just know that, you know, it's not easy, but if you fall in love with it, it's worth it. I think I'm so excited about the technological advances that the industry itself is making. And I think it's going to only make it more productive and make it more fun for the people who get into it. And uh, I would endorse the opportunity to anyone. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me today, Catherine. And uh, we'll have you on you. again soon. It's been fun. And um, and again, Wednesday, the March 24th, are you going to be watching? I hope you're watching. Because it is going to be a full day of 3 p.m. But yeah, that, that like wraps it. up for this episode. And see you March 24th. You can go register at live.freightwaves.com. Till next week. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when is expensive. I got expensive because when is expensive. I've been getting out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, because when it rains and it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for
for some more. Yeah.